Well, good morning. Hello again. My name is Greg. Welcome to One Life Community Church. Uh, as I said, my name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. And we are. We are. The co-lead pastors. Co-lead pastors here. Yeah, yeah, we can see that. We can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we want to thank you all for, we want to thank, what's that? I was born rich. I was born rich. Born rich. I've been rich been since rich. the day I was yep. born. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you for feeding yes. me that one. That was not planned. <laughs> um, we again want to thank you for being here. We're super excited you're here. We know it's a tough morning to get here, and so we absolutely appreciate you making the effort uh, to get here. Um, would you please uh, join with us as, as we pray, and then we'll get into more stuff this morning. Dear God, we give you great thanks for this morning and your presence in our lives. We ask that you would speak to us, that you would open our hearts, that you would guide and lead and move in us, um, God, as we are in a new time. God, it's a new year. There are all kinds of things happening in our own lives, our city, our world, um, and, and we need you. And so we ask that you'd be with us, that we'd be able to receive and hear from you and move and respond to you uh, in ways that give you glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to do something a little different, as you can already tell. Uh, I don't know when the last time you saw both Rich and I up here at the same time. Uh, I think it's been a little while. Two bald Italians is better than one. Just saying. True. Mm -hmm. Not in our notes. Not in our notes. Uh, But, um, so... (laughs) Um, for the past few years, uh, we have called the Sunday after Christmas All Things New, All Things New Sunday. But we've also been throwing around this phrase for the past several months, what's next? And trying to discern what is next for this church? Where is God leading us? What are the new things he's inviting us into? And so we're going to explore some of that this morning. Um, but before we do that, we want to kind of talk about why why, why we need to do that, and, and, it, and it really is because it's, it's the nature of our God, right? Our God is about new. Our God is about new life, rebirth, renewal, transformation, whatever you want to call it, resurrection, all kinds of things. That's what God is doing in our world. And so we're going to kind of center on that for a minute and then get into some of the what's next. Um, for over a thousand years, the church has had this understanding of rhythm, and it's called the church calendar. And sometimes we love to hear that, and sometimes we hate to hear that, because it establishes these seasons that we go through. There are times of celebration, times of reflection, times of mourning, times of anticipation, times we get together, times we're away silent. It, it helps establish these rhythms, and sometimes they match with the rhythms we're in. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes that feels great. Sometimes it feels horrible. Sometimes what we need is to kind of get out of ourselves a little bit and get into a new rhythm. And sometimes we need someone to hear us and walk in our own rhythm. And so it can be really challenging. But this church calendar, what it does is it tells over and over the story of Christ coming into the world and the life of the church as uh, as it's centered off of that. Um, We just got out of a season called Advent. Um, And Advent was this time where we spent some time anticipating and waiting uh, and learning what that's like. Um, and now we're in this season called Christmas Tide, which is the, the time after Advent. Advent is the first four weeks, or the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Christmas Tide is from Christmas Day up until January 5th, another uh, church holiday called Epiphany. Um, and so basically what happened is, is the church decided at some point, one day is not enough to celebrate the birth of Christ. We're going to extend it into 12, uh, which I think is appropriate. We should extend it into 365, uh, but we'll, we'll go with 12 right now. It's where we get the song, The 12 Days of Christmas, uh, for those of you that, that, that love to sing that song. Um, and so after coming through this time of, of 
anticipating and reflecting where we focused on these voices of Advent. We called them Keep Watch, Prepare, Magnify, Fear Not, and then on Christmas Eve, we sent with Go. And so we went through that. We went through this month, and we've even noted in our culture that uh, this year, some stores had Christmas decorations come up on November 1st. Right, so our culture started it really early, and it's all this time of preparation, right? We decorate, we wrap presents, we go Christmas shopping, we have all these events, and we get together, and then Christmas shows up one day, and then we start putting everything away, right? We might take a couple days to enjoy our gifts or sit around with family or do some other things. might be some gatherings after that, but most of us by today, and it might not be true, but most of us typically have our Christmas trees down by now. We've got lots of our decorations put away. Right, we're starting, whoa, some people booing. Okay, that's all right, that's all right. Um, right? Some of us extended out a little bit, but I would be surprised if in February or March any of us still have our Christmas trees up. I'm not saying I've never been there, right? It's happened. But, but there's this process of putting stuff away, right? We spend all this time getting ready, and then there's this process after Christmas, we start putting everything away. And our, one of our challenges is going to be is not to pack Jesus up and put him away. Right? One of the things we do is, we, is, is again, is we, we try to put stuff away, get it back in that one closet where it all sits, and try to get back to what we would call our normal routine. But as followers of Jesus, there is never a normal routine. There's never a normal group. As much as we would like there to be one, as much as we try to convince ourselves that there is one, it's simply not true. Because the reality is, is that Jesus' arrival on earth was nothing short of the most radical, bizarrely strategic, upside-down, topsy-turvy, most miraculous thing that has ever happened. And ever since that moment, nothing has been the same. And there's no going back. There's no routine to get back to. There is rebirth. There is renewal. There is life. There is transformation. There's resurrection. There's something new. And we're constantly being invited by the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus as he's making things new. This is our God. When we look through Scripture, we find this. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible where it starts and it says the Spirit is over the void. The Spirit is over nothing. And then God starts creating things that have never existed. Right? It's new. He's moving. If we look in uh, Isaiah 43, 16 through 21, it says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters... Who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, stuffed, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? In Luke 22, 19 through 22, we read this. Work with me. Jesus uh, says, it talks, and he says, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him is going to betray me is with mine on the table. Jesus is saying there's a new covenant. Something new is happening. In John uh, 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, 
Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A new command. And then at the end of the Bible, in Revelation, speaking of the future, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God is doing a new thing. He's making things new. One of the things I have always loved is a story where it's mixed, kids and adults, but there's a group of kids who have sort of an insight into something. There's something they believe, and it's true, but the adults don't believe it. There's something that keeps them from believing it, um, and, and, and there's something that's hindering them. And one of these stories that I've loved for a long time is one called the Polar Express. Uh, some of you may be familiar with this. In this story, uh, this is a spoiler, sorry, uh, this boy's going to get a bell from Santa Claus that only he and the kids around him can hear, right? And when he brings it home. He gets it home, and he unwraps it, and he rings it, and his parents are like, oh, too bad, it's broken. And the kids are like, what are you talking about? It's broken. We can totally hear it. But the, the grown-ups can't hear it because they don't believe, right? I love stories like this. And the sad thing is that even some of the other kids in the story, like the, the boy's sister, it says later on in life, it, it, the sound faded, and, and she couldn't hear it. But somehow this boy was able to keep that sound new all the time. And he was able to still believe. It didn't fade. Some of us have packed up Jesus and put him away. Our belief has become tempered. We've walked away from wild notions of miracles and love winning out. We've put the reality that Jesus can work through us, do things beyond what we can ask or imagine in the storage closet. And we don't hear the bells anymore. I remember the day I became a Christian, I woke up at 3 in the morning and I looked up, because that's where God lives, and I looked up and I said, I guess I believe in you. I don't know what that means, but I, I, I believe in you. And then I went back to sleep. Um, and I woke up and I was driving over to a friend of mine's house, and on the way I was driving in my 1968 Volkswagen van, which is awesome, yep. And, uh, and I was driving past this section of woods, and I remember really clearly I could see every single tree in those woods and I could see it clearly and I had never seen anything like that and it seemed so off to me that I pulled over because I thought something was wrong and I looked and I was like I can see everything I didn't know what to do it's like I was being overwhelmed and all of a sudden I had this sense I'm going to see everything differently from now on and and it's this reality that that everything was new the trees didn't change but I did Listen to to 2 Corinthians 5, this is 14 through 21. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. It says in here the new has come. It doesn't say that everyone else changed and now we all get along. It says that we've changed. And so we no longer see people in the way we used to. We don't see things the same. Eugene Peterson in the message says, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. 
Again, it's not that everyone else has changed, it's that we have. But we don't operate that way, do we? We put it on everyone else to meet our standards and everyone else to behave and everyone else to act civil and everyone else to meet us where we're at and then, then we might. But this says that we're different now. And all of this is to say that God is about bringing new life, rebirth, resurrection. And this is not at all a knock on tradition or, or, or old ways of doing things or anything like that because I believe God can use anything and everything to his glory. Okay, maybe there is a tradition that is still stirring up life in us, and that's fantastic. And maybe there's some way it needs to be changed and it will stir life. And maybe it's somewhere in between. That's not the point. The point is, is that every breath we take, every single breath, is a step into something new. Even if I breathe the same way I've breathed, for the, my whole life, or if somehow that changes, maybe it's more rapid, shorter, maybe I'm relaxed and it's longer, deeper, maybe I'm able to take really full, smooth, or maybe I'm running, maybe I walk down there, right, you know, for whatever your endurance level is. But that breath, no matter how rapid or slow, it's, a, it's an opportunity to something new. It brings change. Change is a constant in the lives of the people who follow Jesus. I want to quickly, before I hand it off to Rich, walk us through a little bit of our history, going back to April. In April, we explored the book of Ephesians and entitled this series, Rooted and Renewed. And we wanted to take some time to recalibrate and recenter ourselves on Jesus. And Ephesians was a great place to do that. Out of that, we sensed the movement of the Spirit leading us to move to one service. We had been in two services previous to that. But we had this very clear understanding, too, that it wasn't to go back to two services. This was to move forward. That there was something we needed to do all gathered together. Because one of the strengths of this church has been when we are together. It was one of the real challenges of moving to two services. People felt like... I don't see the same people. I feel, I feel I don't get to sing next to. I don't get to pray next to. So we came together as a family for a while to sing and to pray together, to worship together, to engage with God's word together. And we did this around the book of John. And in the book of John, Jesus showed up. And Jesus began to show us that he does not operate by the world's timing or the world's agenda, or our timing, or our agenda, that he's not necessarily interested in what we think is popular or cool or any of those things. He's only interested in glorifying the Father, right? And he's going to go wherever he needs to do that. And the invitation was, come follow me. Follow me into all these places that I'm going. And so we started moving with that. We gathered together as one. We, again, we relearned those things. And then we came into the book of Acts, and we discovered that the Holy Spirit picks up right where Jesus left off. And that the Spirit leads us and invites us into situations where we don't know all the details. We don't have every line item figured out. But we're given this invitation to go be his witnesses in Jerusalem, the place where we live, Judea and Samaria. The place where there's insurmountable, seemingly insurmountable darkness and hatred. We're supposed to go be witnesses and bring reconciliation there and to the ends of the earth. So really meaning any place in any situation, we are invited to follow Jesus and be his witnesses. And whether that be in the huge big things or in our day-to-day life, that's the invitation. And as we have come through this journey, going through all those things, we've begun to notice not only is God inviting us to change, he's birthing change in us, um, but that change isn't always comfortable 
It isn't always easy. Yeah. As many of you know, um, I've been a pastor for coming on 25 years. And um, at every church I served at or attended, um, there was always things about it that I loved and things that I didn't like so much. Uh, You might find that here uh, as well. Uh, Be it the style of worship. I was at a church that ranged from all hymns to to no hymns to a participatory style to a concert-like experience to really loud to awfully quiet. Um, Different leadership styles, congregationally led, elder boards, uh, very strong, powerful, like voice leader type styles. Offering examples, ones that never did any type of offering, others that had this language they used every week and passed the basket every week. From how they dressed, very formal, women wearing head coverings, women not speaking, um, to very casual and very comfortable. Um, Some did a ton around the holidays, from foot washing services to caroling to honor guards, um, block parties. Some were far more political from up front, and others were more charismatic, and some were very organized, and some not so much. Um, Some had kids in the entire service the entire time, and others you never saw a kid. Some were small, some were big, you name it. Just last last summer, I was given the gift of a sabbatical, and during that sabbatical, I got to visit around eight different churches all around the state and even on the East Coast, And I was reminded again doing that how much diversity there is all around. And the one thing that became really clear to me uh, was that this idea of talking about one's dream church uh, is increasingly pointless. Uh, and, And it pushes almost to be flat out gospel denial. Um. And as we have come together as a church and we've gone through these series, through John, through Ephesians, through Acts, the most recent one with the Advent series, we've been confronted over and over again with this reality that church doesn't exist to meet our every needs. It doesn't exist to satisfy our various checklists of tastes and our comfort zone preferences. And I know that saying that's not easy because I want it to do those things. But if anything, it exists, the church, to destabilize such things. The church should draw us out of the days of a culture of comfort. And it should be jostling us awake to the reality that comfort is one of the greatest obstacles to growth. Any of you been in a situation over the holidays where you're sitting at the couch, maybe wrapped up in a blanket, four feet away from the television, and there was something just out of your reach, and you're like, hey, honey, could you get that for me? Right? You're so comfortable, you don't want to move. Right? It's not like you're, cap- you're not capable of doing those things or even just kind of sliding over a tad, but we like to get comfortable. There's an article that just came out this week from the Center of Studies on New Religions noting that in 2016, around 90,000 Christians were martyred. That's one every six minutes globally. And in the U.S., we have a very warped view of the comfort of following Christ that is not the same everywhere else. And even the 10 years that I've belonged to this church, some of those 10 years have been the most difficult and discomfortable. 
And yet, at the same time, it's been the most spiritually enriching in my life. But if I'm honest and I think about where we have been, I found myself and I found us as a church at times getting caught up in comfort and the hold of comfort. And that's a problem. There is wisdom in the saying of getting out of your comfort zone. That phrase has wisdom to it. My notes are uncomfortably out of place because they're printed double-sided. Now, why is this comfort thing an issue? Why should we be taking that wisdom of getting out of our comfort zone? Because nothing matures you quite like faithfulness in the midst of discomfort, right? Uh, And for a long time, the mantra of the Christian culture has been seeker-sensitive, have it your way. The mentality has been consumer comfort, Find a church that meets your needs. Find a church that feels like home. Find a church where the worship music moves you every time, where the pastor's preaching always compels you, that you're perfectly harmonized with the community, and they always welcome you. And if it gets difficult or uncomfortable, you just cut ties immediately because there's a whole bunch of other options. But that is not the model. It doesn't work. And not only is this model coldly transactional, it is lacking covenant commitment, and it's not gospel-driven. Having done a wedding last night, I'm reminded of the covenant of marriage. It is not something when you get uncomfortable, you just say, well, forget about it. And all of us who are married here know that. A true gospel community is not about convenience and comfort and having coffee in the sanctuary, even if it is very nice. Uh, that's not what it's about. It's about pushing each other forward in holiness. It's about striving together for the kingdom. It's about joining along on the outgoing work of the Holy Spirit in this world, in our day-to-day life. In other words, being the church is difficult. It's not easy. In his book called Love in Hard Places, Don Carson suggests that ideally the church isn't composed of natural friends, but rather natural enemies. And he puts it this way. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. Christians come together not because they form a natural connection, but because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. In the light of this common allegiance, in light of the fact that they have all been loved by Jesus himself, They commit themselves to doing what Jesus says, and Jesus commands them to love one another. In this light, they are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Now, I don't know about you. I both love and hate that. (laughs) Taking up the challenge of committing to a church is absolutely countercultural. It's incredibly difficult and decidedly biblical. And you don't need to read much of the New Testament to see how messy things get when natural enemies, that we call them, commit to being a unified family. Galatians 3, 28 says this, In Christ's family there can be no division into Jew or non-Jew, or slave and free, male and female. Among us you are all equal. That is, we are all in common relationship with Jesus. This is, as a result, inevitably uncomfortable, but undeniably important. 
And studies keep coming out showing this to be true, that people are sick of being sold spiritual comfort food, that they want to participate in something that's not afraid of a challenge, something that has forward momentum. They want a a community that's compelled by the gospel, that's confident in Christ, that they can move forward in the Holy Spirit without having all the details. And I believe that our church is in that place. We're moving in this direction, which is exciting to me. But what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as a church, as One Life, in 2017? It means more of us looking outside of ourselves, not just as individuals, but as a church. Serving someone beyond ourselves, putting aside personal comfort and coming often to the cross. This is what being the church means. It means worshiping all together without segregating by age or interest. It means Greg and I and the staff being committed to teaching the whole counsel of God's word, even the unpopular stuff. It means fighting uniformity and cultivating diversity as much as possible, even if that gets uncomfortable. It means prioritizing the values of church membership and faithful giving, even if it turns people off, which is why we always talk about how important your presence and participation here is. It means being fine with the music, even if I start a chord in the wrong place, right? If it's not the way you like the song, if it's not your favorite, it means getting involved. It means serving. It means sticking around, even when the church goes through difficult times. It means us working together to build a tight-knit community, but not an inward-focused one. One that's engaging our neighbors in our community, that launches members into mission and sends them with grace and peace when they're called. It means bearing with one another in love on matters of debate. And it means preaching both truth and love in a healthy balance. And I could go on and on, right? I mean, there's a lot of things. But what I want you to see in here and understand is that none of this is easy and comfortable. Being the church is not easy and comfortable. Leading a church is not easy and comfortable. Sharing the pulpit together is not easy and comfortable. But as a church, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit and his help, being the church in all its absolute messiness and diversity can be something absolutely incredibly beautiful which leads me to some details about what we are seeing here on sundays at one life that i want to hand over to greg in 2017 yeah and and i too we want you to hear you know when i was um all my life i was uh, a swimmer i swam competitively played water polo all that kind of stuff um and my uh the event that I swam the most was the, the 400 IM, uh, which is the intermedley where they can do certain lengths of all the strokes combined, and then uh, the 100-meter the butterfly, um, which some people look at and go, how did anyone even invent that? Because it seems like the worst way to move through water. Uh, but someone did, and it caught on for some reason. Uh, but in this one particular meet, uh, and the way they work it out is, is at this point we had six lanes. The two fastest swimmers from each side are in the center lane so they can race against each other so you don't have 
whoever's leading against whoever's potentially going to be last, and then it, it really throws it off. So the two best swimmers, one from each team in lane three and four, the next best swimmers uh, in two and five, and then the, the, the worst swimmers, or the, we'll call them the least best, um, are in one and six. Now, I was one of the worst in this group, so I was in lane uh, six on the way outside. And my coach told me beforehand, he was like, Greg, we really need you to do this well because we're really close. And the way it breaks down is even, uh, so it's not just first place that gets points, second, third get points also. And so he said, we really, we really need you to do your best and see if you can get into that next bracket and get us some points. And, and I said, all right, all right, all right. So I went and I was swimming my hardest, right? And I had nothing left. I felt like I was given everything I got. And you hit that point where you're starting to slow down. Your body starts to feel like it's made out of some other material that doesn't want to cooperate with you. It feels really heavy. And I just feel like I'm splashing around in the water. And I was swimming the, the, the lane, the, the side, the deck was over here. And I came off for my last length. And I could see my coach and like 15 of the people on my team, like with me every step. Come on, come on, right? And I'm like, oh, come on. And, and, and I don't even know how I finished. And I hated them. I hated them at the, in the moment. And I loved them at the same time. I was like, this is absolutely painful. My lungs are on fire. My body feels like it's a complete rebellion. But something was compelling me to continue moving forward. Even though I was positive, I had given every single thing that I had. And yet somehow there was more. Somehow I was able to finish. And I, I really swear I was on their shoulders. And, and, and they were just carrying me through. And so what we want to do is some of you may be feeling like oh, this is a smackdown. And in some ways it is. The stuff we're going to talk about is. But it's also like we feel God saying to us, like, come on, come on. I'm right there. I'm breathing life into you every step of the way. You can do it. Keep going. Okay. So here's where we need to imagine the church in the pool, swimming that last leg, um, feeling like it may have given everything. Our, uh, when we went and looked at our directory, and we, and we took out all the people from our directory who we, who we know have talked to us and said, oh, we've moved, and they transitioned out of the church, things like that. There were uh, about 180 people in the directory that would consider themselves part of One Life Church, uh, and, and this is their, their church home. There were additional about 40 people who weren't in the directory who either just didn't make it in or who were new enough that they didn't get in that edition of the directory. So we're talking about 220 people. Um, but on Sundays, our average is 134. Okay, And so there's about 40% um, of, of our congregation. And it's not a specific 40%. It's a rotating 40% that is consistently not here. Um, and the, and, and in some ways, if we were a baseball team and one of us was hitting 60% of the time, we would be a phenomenal baseball player. But that was the only thing we could think of where 60% is considered really very good. Um, you know, and, and as far as church goes, it's not, it's not the best. And so we're wondering if, if there's something we can do about that. If I was a coach or I'm directing a play, imagine if on Monday practice, 40% of your team doesn't show up. And on Tuesday practice, a different 40 doesn't show up. Or the actors or the stage crew or the whoever doesn't show up. And as you get ready and move towards what you're supposed to be doing, how does that affect how you move forward as a whole? When it comes to game time or show night, how does that impact that? And, and 
the image in Scripture is, a, is of a body. So imagine if 40% of your body just decided one day, yeah, I'm not in today. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. And then the next day you wake up and a different 40% of your body says, okay, now I'm out. And then the next day, one group, those half of those groups get together, and then it's a whole other thing. And every day, it's different. Your body, it's going to be really hard for your body to do the things over the long run that you're trying to do. And so we want to extend a challenge to be here. Your presence and participation is not just important. It is critical absolutely vital to the mission that God has called us together to participate with him in doing. And it's not that things can't be done. Sure, things can be done. But God's really intended for all of us to be here together doing those things, and it will change everything. It will be hard. It could be uncomfortable, but it will change things if we're all here. Now, we also want to address, though, what it would mean if we were all here. If 220 of us started showing up consistently on Sundays. This room doesn't even hold 220. Our parking lots can't sustain that. Our volunteer participation, even though high, is not at a point where it can sustain 220 people showing up at the same time in this space. So... We've started putting together some what we call metrics, some measurements to help us figure out what do we do when things get to a certain point. What are some like, not red flags, whatever the opposite green flag, like, hey, you could go on this, right? Oh, we should investigate now what we should do. And one of those does have to do with numbers. And uh, when we went to two services before, our attendance was right around between 160 and 170. After that, our attendance jumped up between 200 and 220, right? So something happened in us moving to two services that initially our numbers went up. So one of the things we're, we're putting into place is that when we consistently see about 165 people showing up, we're going to start moving and figuring out what we need to do in terms of do we go to multiple services? What do those look like? Uh, and, and they could look similar to how we did before, could look really different. We don't have all the details. We do know that that's one of the things. But numbers aren't the only thing because we could have 220 people here and still be in an absolutely bad place to try to do anything else, right? So there are other things we've put into place too. Number of people involved in core groups, number of people volunteering both in the church and outside of the church, right? There's other metrics we have in place, but Numbers is one is that, is that we can quickly address here and kind of call us out on and say there's 40% of our body. And again, it's not the same 40%. So it, it's rotating. And we do understand there are some Sundays when, when, when we just can't be here, right? But, but I have this fear, like, what would I do if all of a sudden they decided to have the Super Bowl start at 10? Right? What would I do? Right? Right. I would DVR that thing and show up here. Oh, it'd be hard, though. Would I have my tablet up here giving little highlights every now and then? What would I do, right? And we all have things, right? We have soccer games. We have family things. We have all those things. And so we do understand sometimes, right, we, have, we get sick. And so there are times where we can't make it. But it seems that if 40% of us 
are having those things happen all the time, then there might be some other things we need to talk about. But we believe that we can get more here and that we need more here to be able to really be moving in the direction that God's inviting us to. Um, and so we want to extend that invitation and that challenge because if we have, right, some of us have been talking about uh, the service time not being great on either side. Some people like it earlier, sometime, some people like it later. If we have people here, 165 for two months, that might change, right? So there's things we can do to move in, in these directions. And so that's how it applies some of the things we feel like God's inviting us to on Sundays, to be present here, to participate here. But that is not where it stops. It extends uh, to some other things. And Rich is going to talk about those. The one other thing I would say, too, to what Greg said is um, we not only expect that all of us showing up, 220 of us, will have an effect. We also expect that of all 220 of us, if we're all being outward, we're inviting people, then not only is the 40% addressed, but now there's a high percentage of people coming because they're connected and they have a friend and they're invited. And so we imagine that this can have a, a, a quick uh, effect on what it means to be here on a Sunday morning, which is why we've been talking to you over the last couple of weeks about where to park and things like that, because on the last, for the last few months, we've been jammed, uh, which is exciting. Um, we are moving outward. Um, and so the things that I want to talk about is that beyond these realities of Sundays, we believe that God has been continually leading us to be more outward as a church, which is uncomfortable, right? To be reaching those in need in our community implanting new expressions of the gospel in the city in various forms. We're very excited about this and feel like the spirit is moving in it. And the truth is, it's in our DNA. We've been meeting with some of the heads up of our denomination, and it's been incredibly powerful and encouraging and challenging. Some of you may not know this, but our church is the longest-lasting church plant in the city of Seattle in the Northwest Ministry Network of the Assemblies of God. 40, yeah, it's amazing. 40 years ago when we were planted from what, was at the, what is now Calvary Christian Assembly, we're still going. And that's not typically the case with plants. No other church plant comes close to that longevity in our denomination in the city. We weren't even aware of that. These people we got together were like, do you realize this? It was just like, you guys are doing something here. Not only that, but we are one of the very few growing, healthy churches within the denomination in the city. Go outside of the city, out in the small towns, they're doing some good stuff. In the city, our, our denomination has been struggling. Truthfully, most churches in the city are struggling. We have, over the last year, been praying about some opportunities that have been coming to us within the community. The co community coming to us. And the more we've gotten involved in the area, the more we have seen and heard from our neighbors. You already heard us developing a partnership with HIP, Hunger Intervention Program. This is a, something that came to us. Jerry showed up at our door when Greg went out and saying, that's where we're supposed to be. And he said, this is where I'm supposed to be. And now there's this relationship that we have with this organization that's been serving the needs of the people in our community. More and more of that has been happening. And as we've studied the scriptures, and as the Holy Spirit has been moving, we have been feeling called to plant and birth something new. Not only that, but our community has called upon us as a church that is trusted in the neighborhood, community, 
calling upon us because we are trusted in the neighborhood to help meet some needs. Not us saying, we got something for you, saying, can you come help us? And what's very cool about all of this is that it connects to ministries and relationships we've already been developing. So, in 2017, we have some things we're very excited about. And I'm going to be very clear as I share these. I do not have all the details. I will not lay out all the details, even if you ask me afterwards. I will not give you all the details because I don't have them all. But I have some. The first thing is, in 2017, we are looking to plant something that we are calling a dinner church. And we're doing this in cooperation with the Magnuson Community Center and the low-income housing down there with an organization called Community Dinners and an organization that provides meals for those in need in the greater Seattle area. We have relational connections with Cafe Javasti. Some of us go there frequently, frequently. Um, more than we probably can or should afford. Um, and um, we will be planting this new type of dinner church down at Magnuson. There is much to this that is not decided yet. But what has been amazing is that uh, the more we have explored this open door that came to us, the clearer it has been that this is an area that God has been leading us into. Um, without much detail, picture a weekly gathering of all ages that provides a free meal to anyone that comes through the door, that has worship, that has teaching, as well as a live artist, that it will be ministering to and serving a diverse group in our community that most people ignore, underprivileged single-parent families, immigrant families, homeless, and those are simply uh, those who are deficient relationally. They don't have connections. It is much like the picture of the early church we've been seeing in the book of Acts. We will be creating a community of care and support through invitation to this table. It will provide a safe place where our relationships with Christ can be shared through conversation, through shared life, through service and teaching. And what's even more amazing is that uh, through this partnerships that we have, God has developed for us that we won't even have to prepare or pay for the food. Did you right? hear that? Right. We don't have to prepare any food, and we don't have to buy it. That is amazing. So we will have the opportunity to potentially serve upwards to 100 people on a weekly basis, and we won't have to cook anything or pay for that food. This catered meal will be provided every week and paid for at no cost to us. Our primary job is to do what we already know how to do, which is serve, develop relationships, teach, and share life. Much more of this could be said, um, and I don't have the time for that, but what I am gonna say, that's our little teaser on part one, you should come to next week when we have our lift leadership time. We are going to be talking more about it. We are going to be praying more about it. We're going to be dreaming more about it. But we want you to come and learn more about it and, and, and even now be praying about that. There's another thing. That's one. A second big outward opportunity that has come our way that we are very excited and honored to be a part of is to be a parent church to a new church plant. Now, many of you remember Dan Dameron, who was a guest speaker for us a few months ago. 
Dan is someone our church has supported for years as a campus pastor at the University of Washington. He has recently stepped down from that to take a break, but is in the process of planting a new church expression. And of all the churches in the city, in the Northwest Ministry Network, that he could ask to be a parent church to, he came to us. And again, with this opportunity, there's much more that could be said and much more that is not decided yet. Um, But to be clear, this will not be One Life 2.0. We're not saying do exactly what we do wherever you go because that doesn't make sense. This will not mean Dan is taking a large portion of our congregation to do this. Um, This will be a new church expression led by Dan and his team of leaders. And as a parent church, we'll be providing support We will be providing prayer and guidance and accountability as they prepare for this launch. And much like we serve and provide for our missionaries, uh, we will be doing the same for this new opportunity. We love that God has brought us this opportunity as we see the Holy Spirit at work once again through our unique relational dynamics, both with Dan, with his team, and the Northwest Ministry Network. Uh, We've been partnering with all of them. We love that we can help support the outward movement of the Holy Spirit in our city in new ways and still continue to be who we are in this place, in this city. And we are honored at the ways the Holy Spirit is blessing us with leadership influence, with others who desire to love, care, and serve our city for Jesus. Now, those are two big things big that I'm not giving you all the details to because I don't have all the details to I can tell you that our staff and our elders are feeling unified and excited and amazed by the opportunities that are coming and we want you to be praying for this and again as a teaser we want you to come to our lift event as we will be worshiping and praying and talking more about what this looks like in all the avenues of what it is to be one life I'm going to hand that over to Greg as he closes us out yeah, so we are very aware that we just unpacked a lot, a lot, and we've been unpacking this for a while, and, and I know a few weeks ago I said, yeah, everyone's going to want to buckle up, right? The, the thing is, is that, um, like Rich said, these, these opportunities that we're talking about, they're things that, that we can do. They're not things that are going to pull us apart and drive us in all these different directions. They're very much in step with God saying, this is who you are, this is what you can do, and this is what you can do without having to be all pulled apart and all separated in a ton of different directions. We've come together, we're growing again, that could affect Sundays, we could be having to do some things there, but these two church plants in no way are designed to undermine or you know, be yanking pillars out from under us. They really are a strengthening uh, thing And I think an affirmation of the, what the Lord's been stirring in us uh, uh, for the last several months. Um, as we close, I do, the encouragement is, as we can see, I think that the advent of Jesus is a constant unpacking, a constant opening uh, of gifts, if you will, and, and, and discovery and, and, and what's going on and what's next and where do I go, how do we grow, and, and it's all that. And there are times where we do need to take a, a big breath breathe, pray, all those things. Um, and, and so we want to invite you to be doing that with us as, as we move forward 
uh, with these things. We do have a couple of questions. If you would pull your connection card out, uh, you can write these things on there. Um, uh, I'm going to read the questions because it looks like I didn't update the, the slide. Um, so uh, the first question is, how do you find you're responding to what we've talked about this morning? You could be anxious, you could be really excited, you could be amped up, you could be like, oh, I'm out, right? Whatever it is, how do you find you are responding to hearing these things that we've talked about? Um, I know on different days I've felt all over the place, uh, but I've also felt uh, every time, no matter what I felt, an underlying movement of the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, but this is, this is what's happening. <laughs> um, so how do you find you're responding uh, to these things? And then the second question is... Um, hearing what we've talked about, we also want to hear uh, what, what are your dreams for this church? What are the things, either things that we've talked about or other things that have stirred you that you're like, oh, I would love if this church did this, or I'm excited, I'm excited about this dinner church thing. I want to hear more about that. It could be one of the ideas we talked about. Um, but what are your dreams for the church? Um, and um, whatever, that, whatever that may be, we are always interested in hearing um, um, from you all about that. So uh, take a moment to write those things down. And again, you can put those in the wood boxes in the back. We totally want to hear from you. I'm going to pray and then we'll uh, move on uh, with, with one more song. Dear God, we give you great thanks that you are with us. God, and that you speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you invite and lead and woo and prod and move. <clears throat> so thankful. And Lord, I just want to enter in with you into all the things that you're doing. I want us to enter into all the things that you have for us. And so I pray, help us as we've got a lot to think about, a lot to pray about, a lot to move on. Um, Help us to be sensitive to you. Help us to not just get so caught up in some great idea that we lose sight of you. A lot of this has been about a time where we collectively came together to worship and pray and engage with your word together. And this is what has started to stir and become movement out of that. I pray we wouldn't lose that. So Holy Spirit, come and move in us. Speak to us. Lead us. Guide us. Yeah. And help us to never sort of lose our ability to hear you. Help us to not grow uh, so tempered and so comfortable uh, that, that we can no longer hear what you're saying. Keep us, keep us alive in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.